Yeah. He's just, yeah. He, is he is real sexual. Well, I've heard, and I can't find it anywhere now, but I've heard that there's actually a term for when you're straight but gay for like one person because you had a romantic attraction to them, but I don't know what that term is. I know it exists, but I keep telling them, like, that's just what you are. I'm like, you're straight, except for you like me. Welcome to the Sexology Institute. We have a special guest with us on today's episode, so we'll just jump in and let the introduction play out. All right, so first of all, tell us about your Emmy. What do you want to know about my Emmy? You got an Emmy. <laughs> That's something impressive. Well, I won my Emmy while working for Georgia Southern University as their academic producer. And we got the Emmy for Best Live Audio Recording for a symphony um, that was actually performed live at the university. That's very cool. All right, we might get back to more on that later. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is a pretty basic question that I don't think I've asked anyone else, but who are you? I will. How do you want me to answer that? Leave it up to you. Um, I'll ask another question. Okay. What name's in your birth certificate? The name on my birth certificate is Rebecca, but I go by William. All right. Do you want to explain any of that? Uh, yes, I identify as a transgender male, which means, of course, that I was born female um, with a different name than I go by now, but I identify as a man. Okay. So tell about your upbringing. Just give us a basic overview. Oh, my goodness. Um, I grew up in a very conservative Christian environment. Uh, my family have always been Southern Baptist very strict, very anti-LGBTQ, um, and that's just how I was raised. Uh, very limited worldview, pretty much just what you were fed at church was about all you got. Uh, so going out into college and out into the real world was a bit of a culture shock. <laughs> how old are you now? I'm 26. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you graduated from high school and uh, then off to college. Yeah. How long have you been out of college? I've been graduated for four years now. So your upbringing in that environment, pretty standard for the location? No, I would say not. I grew up in central Georgia, and for the area, most people went to public school. There was very few of us because I was also homeschooled as well as grew up in a very conservative church. And our homeschool group that I was a member of, there were maybe, I want to say, 20 kids in it in all of the middle Georgia area. So it's a very small group. What type of sex education did you have? I don't know, so maybe a loaded None. question. <laughs> uh, essentially, the only sex education we got was my mother sitting down and having the the talk with us when we were, you know, like ten, which we probably should have gotten it well before then. Um, but other than that, it was nothing. Uh, it was not in our school curriculum, uh, and what we got was limited to say the best. I was left with more questions than answers. Did you have your questions answered at some point during your formative years? No, actually the internet was where I unfortunately had to get most of my information. Uh, sex was not a topic you could discuss at our house. Our parents of course had the, well if you have any questions come and ask us, but when you ask them they would usually just deter it to another topic. So I kind of had to figure out a lot of things on my own, which was difficult considering 
I didn't have many resources available, and considering most of the kids I hung out with were in the same situation as me. So what were your feelings about sex as a teenager? I was very curious, extremely curious, because it was the big, bad, unknown, and the no, we don't do that uh, sort of thing, and didn't quite understand how that all worked, and more so it was just my curiosity drove me to want to learn more, and of course there was the whole idea of the, the forbidden, which made it more interesting. Um, but that was it, unfortunately. During that time, even as a teenager, I was still closed off to the rest of the world, that I was still thinking a lot of things that had been drilled into me that, oh, sex is bad, bad, bad. So I still had a, such a negative view on it. What was your sociality like at that time? Were you outgoing? No, extremely, extremely introverted, um, would not speak at all, you know, no public speaking sort of things. Is essentially we were raised, you know, the children were, children should be seen and not heard. So I was, I was very laid back, you know, at social events. I was the one sitting in the corner looking for the, pe the pets at the party to go. It was like, oh, I'll hang out with the cat. <laughs> and when did you come to the realization that you're male? That's actually a very interesting topic. So growing up as I did, we did not know that transgender was a thing. It was not spoken about. I knew that there were gay people, you know. But I didn't know that transgender even existed. But I distinctly remember being about 15 or 16 and talking to my sister and asking her, have you ever felt like a gay man trapped in a woman's body? And I remember her just saying, no, you're crazy. That's not a thing. And she's like, are you trying to say you're a lesbian? I was like, no, 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 I don't like girls. I was like, no, I'm sexually attracted to guys. I was like, but have you ever felt that there's a man inside you? And she's like, no, you're just weird. Not just to say, like, okay, I'm just weird. But I think it's so funny that so many people want to say that transgender is a choice. But I, I'm like, well, how can you say that when someone who didn't even know it existed, I already had those feelings and I already knew something wasn't right, even though I didn't have the terminology to wrap my head around it. So that was at age 15? Yeah. When was the, did you have those thoughts afterward? I mean, was that a fairly constant thought of yours? Honestly, that was the first time I had really started putting it into words because before then, people always just called me a tomboy. They're like, oh, you're just, you're just a little tomboy. That's why you like the things that you like, and that's why you act the way that you act. But after I started realizing that, I didn't understand. Again, I didn't understand what transgender was, and I didn't know. I was like, well, why do I always feel so different than everybody else? Why can I not connect with any of these other girls that I'm around? that I'm friends with, is like, we have, you know, why are we so different? And it just constantly bothered me until, and I don't remember the exact moment when I took the, put the pieces together. It was just a couple years later when I realized, oh my God, that's what it is. I was like, I'm transgender. And it took me like meeting some other people. And again, the internet was my friend, uh, just figuring out, you know, there were other people who felt that besides me. And that's what, when it took it from the you're crazy to no, you're not. This is an explainable thing. And there are other people who feel it too. And when did you determine that? When did you come to that understanding? I would say right around, it was probably just a couple years later, you know, right around I was starting to get into college. I was a freshman in college. I actually took a course and we covered gender studies and a very small section of it. And we were talking about gender roles and that sort of thing. And we were doing these fun little 
questionnaires like oh where do you fit on the gender role spectrum and everything just kept coming up male and everyone's and it just suddenly clicked for me. I was like, oh, my God, that's why. I kept trying to tell, every, you know, I kept, everyone kept putting me in this one box when I was in the other box. And I finally was able to start constructing words once I was hearing more about transgender and I realized that's me. And then I could finally, instead of saying, you know, I'm crazy, I was like, no, actually, there's an ex- explanation for this. How was socializing for you at that time as far as the intimate relationships or those romantic relationships? I only had one at that time. Um, I actually have been in very, very few romantic relationships, mostly because I've been, I was told by some of the guys I used to like back then that I intimidated them. Um, probably because I wasn't the feminine thing they were expecting, considering the way I looked and then the way I acted was totally different. Um, so I actually only had really uh, two boyfriends before I actually got married. And it was difficult to say the least because of the gender role ex- you know, expectations that were put on me by those families. Uh, the one guy that I dated for a while was also homeschooled like I was and he came from a little bit of a sheltered background and I just wouldn't ever fit into the role that people kept trying to put me in and ultimately it just destroyed the two relationships I had um, until I met um, Hayden who's now my husband but I, you know, I had to shop all the way over here in Texas to find him. So. <laughs> so how long have you been married? Uh, six years. Okay, so age 20. So you were in college at the time? Mm-hmm. All right. So talk a little bit about that. That By that point, you had kind of understood that you're male. Mm-hmm. And had you had this conversation with your partners, with your no, I had not felt safe to mention it to anybody previously because it caused so many issues without me telling them, oh, yeah, no, I'm a guy. Um, they couldn't even handle the way that I acted differently because I wasn't a super submissive personality. But I know with my fiancé, now my husband, uh, he knew I was different because of the way we talked. And if you ask him, he says that he knows from the very beginning that something was a little different, but I didn't tell him. Um, honestly, at that time, because I didn't... I was still living at home with my parents. I knew that at that point, I thought there would be no way for me to ever change. I thought, you know, this is something I'm just going to have to deal with for the rest of my life, so why bother other people with it? Um, So, you know, we dated, we got married very quickly, and just kind of started off on our own lives while we were still in college trying to figure things out. And it wasn't until we had been married two years when I started dropping hints to him. And at that point, he could tell by my behavior that I you know, wasn't exactly, you know, your average gal. And he said that, you know, it was a little bit of a surprise, but not a shock. And he's like, you know, I figured you're going to tell me at some point. <laughs> and how did he receive that information? It's taken him a while, but honestly, he's my biggest supporter in the whole thing. Um, he's been very supportive of me from the very beginning, but it was very difficult for him to accept just because his own sexuality, he considers himself straight. So here he is, very straight guy, married to what he thought was a woman, who's a man, but he's still straight, not attracted to men. So for him, it was, I think it was more difficult for him trying to juggle, well, who am I now? And essentially, I came down to just told him, like, it doesn't matter, you know, how you want to label yourself because you're you. You know, like, and no, you don't like other guys, but you love me. So it's different. And, um, but he really... He's been very supportive in it and very understanding, and he's just a, you know, he's just a wonderful kind. 
That's <laughs> you know, the heterosexual, homosexual, and then there's the will sexual. <laughs> He's just, he, is. he is will sexual. Well, I've heard, and I can't find it anywhere now, but I've heard that there's actually a term for when you're straight but gay for like one person because you had a romantic attraction to them but I don't know what that term is I know it exists hmm. but I keep telling them I'm like that's just what you are I'm like you're straight except for you like me and I'm like but I don't know what it's called he's like well find out what it's called and that's what I'll be well, I think you can make up whatever I know I'm like just just call yourself whatever you want just call it Hayden it's like you are a Hayden that's what you are yes an entity one <laughs> so when did you the phrase coming out, when did you decide to come out more publicly or, as I say, also, you know, let people in on your mm-hmm. secret? I started uh, letting people in in December of 2017. Uh, it wasn't until I started working at the Sexology Institute where I finally felt I was safe enough, I think, to start being myself. Back when I was living in Georgia, I was so close to my family and all the people I grew up with who still, sadly enough, couldn't even keep straight if it was me or my sister who had gotten married. And it was just very difficult for me to be who I was. I was hard enough to even be married because I kept they're like, oh, you're a chance. I'm like, no, 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 I'm a lynch. I'm a lynch, you know, and I had to get away from all that. And coming here to Texas was honestly probably one of the best things that could have happened to me. I'm over a thousand miles away from home. I could establish myself as me, you know, husband of will and coming to the Sexology Institute because sexuality was so open and so accepting to the LGBTQ community, I felt like I finally had a safe place to discuss how I had been feeling for almost 10 years now. And so talking to um, Aaron here really just helped me have the confidence to say, you know, this is who I am and I need to quit just pushing it down and being miserable and just embrace this who I am because there's nothing wrong with me. This is just me. And so I finally started letting people in uh, back in December. So how's it been since then? It's been mixed, honestly. Uh, for here, for my life in San Antonio, it's been amazing. I felt, I felt so much more free. Uh, my anxiety has really lessened a lot, I would say. Um, I have a lot more confidence now because I don't feel like I'm trying to constantly fit myself into this little box that I had made up for this Rebecca person that wasn't really me. And so now I feel more confident. I get to wear the clothes that I want to wear. And, you know, it's great. And the only problems I've had is that my family, of course, is very unaccepting. And thankfully, they're all just back in Georgia. So it doesn't normally affect me day-to-day life, but it still hurts just knowing that, you know, they will never, currently, they never see me as anything except for Rebecca. So trips home, how's that been? I've only made one trip home since I told everybody about being William uh, back in December. And it went all right, but it was more of a don't ask, don't tell almost type of situation. You know, they didn't address it. They just called me Rebecca the whole time, and we just pretended like it didn't happen. But I have another trip coming up next week, which will be interesting. We'll see how that goes. Do you know how you're going to handle that one? I'm just going to try to take it play by play at this point. Um, I've been trying to talk to my parents a little more. I know that they want to sit, sit down and, as they put it, have a come to Jesus meeting with them. But I'm just going to have to let them know that no matter what they say, this is me. And I love them, and that's never going to change. But it's going to come to a point where if they can't accept me, 
I just have to pick and choose who I'm going to let in my life. Because as much as I love them, if they are going to try to keep me back from being who I am, then I'm going to have to, you know, possibly not see them as much or, you know, we'll have to work out the details of our relationship. Now, I understand that you have been uh, receiving testosterone treatment. Yes. Tell me about that. And I guess one of the questions I have is, obviously you get that from a physician. Mm-hmm. Does do the doctors require you to have any type of a, a mental health guide to go through the process at the same time? Or can you someone just walk into their doctor and say, I want this? I can't speak for everybody. I have been told what is standard. And then I have also learned that my situation is not standard. So I would not by any you know, points use this as a guide. But uh, I do get my prescription from my doctor, my primary care doctor. Um, many trans men that I have spoken to prefer to go to uh, Planned Parenthood and so forth. I've heard that it's easier, quote unquote, to get it from them because they do not always require you to have a therapist letter. Um, but I get mine from my doctor, and he did not require me to have any previous a letter from a therapist or any counseling. He and I talked for a good amount of time, and I kind of told him where I was and how long I had been feeling this way and that sort of thing. And I think he just did an assessment after speaking to him for about an hour, um, and he gave me my testosterone then, or at least my prescription for it. So I believe it's more of a case-by-case basis, though. Everybody's in a different stage uh, when they first want to start on testosterone. You know, there's sometimes it's teenagers, and they have to have, you know, their parents sometimes will have something they want to say. But I think the fact that I was in my mid-20s and had known for almost 10 years that he knew that this was something I definitely wanted to do. It wasn't something that I came up with overnight, like, oh, no. You know, I I feel like this is a good idea for me. I knew that this was the route I was going to take in my life, and I think he saw that and recognized it and knew I was capable of making the decision that I wanted to go ahead and start testosterone. Anything else to share about this transition process or any advice you'd have or insights? I think the only advice I would have is for someone who's transgender or even any part of the LGBTQ community, I would just say to just remember, no matter what anyone else says, to be yourself. No matter what stresses you might get from family or friends, it's not about doing what's popular. It's about what's doing what's right. And I feel that being who you really are is what's right for you. And even if that means you're going to lose some friends, you might lose some family, but you have to decide, you know, if this is important enough for you, you know, you have to make sacrifices sometimes. Tell about the Pasty Pops. So I'm the newest member of the Pasty Pops, and I am their, what I understand to be their first drag king. No, what, what, is the, what are the Pasty oh, Pops? Oh, the Pasty Pops. Okay, so the Pasty Pops are a local burlesque review here in San Antonio. And I just became a member of theirs in April. I had heard about your performance. <laughs> I've seen the Pasty Pops perform. I am so sorry that I missed your performance because I heard that it was just one of the most amazing performances ever done. I have to see this at some point. I don't know if it's possible to recreate that performance, but I'm hoping I get to see you sometime soon perform. Well, I'll be performing at the gay show next week, so you can come to that. (laughs) How has that been for you uh, as a performer? 
for me, I first actually became interested in burlesque back as a teenager. We watched Gypsy, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is something I want to do someday. But um, the more I learned about drag and like drag kings, I was like, I felt like this was such a good way for me to explore during my transition. Um, and of course, right now I call myself a drag king, but I think I'm going to change more as I get further in my transition and I already look more masculine. I'm just probably going to switch it and just, it's just boylesque now, you know? But for me, it's been a really way to express myself. And especially so early on in my transition, I get to really, you know, up the masculinity and put on this persona. And it's just so much fun and getting to be, you know, just being someone different a little bit on stage. And what's your name? <laughs> my name is Mustang Rider. And he's just a good old country boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So what is your goal in sex education? One of my goals is that I would love to complete the sex coach training and also just beginning to teach more courses and stuff like that. I feel like what I've learned here helps me better myself and also coming from the background I have, I want to be able to help other people that feel the same way as me or have some of the same experiences as well. That this is something that was lacking in my teenage years and if I can help other people and even a lot of people into adulthood, they get they still carry on the misinformation they gathered when they were a teenager and they don't always have the best sex education. So I would just really want to help other people who like me. It took them a little while to figure it out and I just wanted to, you know, share that knowledge and especially anyone else who might be questioning or, you know, about their transition, something like that. That's something definitely I would like to start helping people as well. Have you encountered any surprises? In general, I feel that I have come more out of my shell. Definitely more confident to talk about any topic, literally with anyone who comes in the door. And something that I was pleasantly surprised by was again the openness of everybody here and also just the wide variety of people that come in that we get to help. You literally have someone from every end of the spectrum, and I think that's great because we're not a shop for just women or just you know straight women or anything. We we have something for everybody, and I've really enjoyed that. Every day is an adventure when you're working here because it's always fun to see who you're going to get to meet and who you're going to get to help. Where, where do you want to be a couple of years from now? Honestly, I'm still kind of figuring that out. Uh, there, I'm having a lot of changes in my life at the moment. And I'm just kind of riding it and we'll see where we go. Uh, just keep moving forward, essentially. You know, as long as we're making progress, I'll be happy wherever I am in five years. Of the two guys that I dated before I met Hayden, one of them I was with for about a year. And the other guy, if you could even count it dating, because we never actually went on a date. It was just the first boy that I liked when I was 16. And we, like, said we liked each other for, like, three months. So I don't even know if that even counts. But, um, yeah... My other boyfriend, like, I kissed him, but the first guy I had sex with was Hayden, and that was not until we got married, so he was only the second guy I'd ever kissed, first one I ever slept with, so I've only ever had sex with one person my entire life, but I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, so, I don't know. It's just very, in some parts of our marriage, too, we're still very conservative in some ways. We adventure in some things, but we're still very much like, you know, it's just, we're like, you know, it's just you and me. And we're good, you know, I hear about some people who are like into like polyamorous relationships and we're like, mm, we're good, we have you. And we're like, we're too shy to be with anyone else, we're too jealous to be with anyone else, we just got each other. <laughs> <laughs> so.
So. Me growing up where I came from, someone who's transgender is just someone out there ripping their clothes off all over. Just that those things all go together. Like sin, transgender, you know, non-monogamy would all be one big giant bucket of nasty sin. Mm-hmm. Now, once well, you've stepped that far, you might as well just do everything. You're just lost. And you're just Especially that I'm a burlesque performer. Like, oh, you slut. But that's one thing I've noticed that I'm very different from a lot of the other trans guys. I meet with some, I have, I have a couple groups that we talk because it's just nice to talk to other people who are going through the same thing as you. But I've noticed that we're just so different politically, morally in some ways, and I don't want to, you know, yuck anyone's yum. But I just find that I'm in just such a different walk of life than most of the others. I don't have any that are close friends because we don't have that much in common. Whether that's a big deal or not, it doesn't really matter. You know, for being who I am, I am still a very conservative person. I feel like morally and politically, I'm relatively conservative, even though I say that, and I'm gay, and I'm transgender. At the same time, you know, I still consider myself Southern Baptist, even if they don't accept me. That's just where I was raised, and that's, you know, I still, you know, you know, I consider myself a person of faith. I don't like call myself religious because I think modern religion is has a lot of things just messed up now. Thanks for listening to our interview with William. You can listen to our other episodes on our website or on iTunes. In the coming weeks, we will have additional interviews with people who have a unique view on sex. If you think that you are one of these people and live in the San Antonio area, reach out to us through our website, sexologyinstitute.com or via email at contact at sexologyinstitute.com.